Oh, oh, PC. Hey, hey that's, that's cool. cool. You got a podcast? Well, I didn't, I didn't know, know that. that. Oh, that's cool. Now you do. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are back. Oh, that's cool. OTC's very own podcast on all the amazing people we work with right here at Ozarks Technical Community College. I, of course, am Jared Durden, and with me, as always, is Andrew Crocker, and I'm happy to be here with you here on campus. How's it feel to be on campus? We just survived the blizzarding, which kicked us essentially off campus for a week, and now we're back at it. I know, and I don't know about you, but the hardest for me was that my Monday-Wednesday class that only meets on Monday and Wednesday, right? We only met on Wednesday the first week of classes because (laughs) we were off that Monday. Then the next week, we had one snow day, one actually in class, and the next week, one snow day and one in class. So it wasn't until week four this last week that I actually saw them for the full week in person. Yeah. And you, you, do you have to take like extraordinary measures to onboard that class? What do you do? What, what do you do? I know what I do. What do you do? That's a great question. When essentially your class is, I guess, an online class for a couple of weeks when it wasn't meant to be. We meet on Zoom. Um, and the class I'm talking about in particular here is a, a Physics 130. So it's the second semester of introductory uh, algebra-based physics for science majors. Mm. And so they do an uh, electromagnetism, basically. You talk about charges, how charges interact, and all that good stuff. That's where they are right now. And so we go, we meet on Zoom. Um, and I, I, I use breakout rooms in Zoom. And so then I still have them doing group work. And they have this really cool feature now where there's uh, whiteboards that they can work on together digitally. Yeah. And so I have them work problems. And I did a little bit of kind of, kind of, um, you know, lecturing where I had a whiteboard and I walked them through some stuff and talked about, um, kind of, you know, some summarizing some stuff. And that's cool. I already have a bunch of stuff where I've recorded in our studio that we have here on campus. The, the Jared Durden Memorial <laughs> Interactive so Media Suite. We, we have recorded, I have recorded a lot of stuff on there. And so my in-person classes just become online classes if that has to happen. But like last spring, we had a similar blizzarding that kicked us out for the better part of a week. And then I got COVID right after that. Ugh. And so there's like the first three weeks of class, we'd seen each other like maybe twice. And so after our first unit was over, we have the kind of our standard college exam and a good chunk of the class does a good job on it. But there's a percentage that don't do so well. And I kept them after class. And I just want to let you guys know is what I told them. This wasn't the class you signed up to take. You signed up to take an in-person class, and it's been a virtual class. So I'll give you an opportunity to like earn this grade back that you may have missed out on because as a, as a way of saying, oops, sorry, at the exam, I mean, you chose to take an in-person class, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I'm sympathetic for those students that have to struggle with it. And uh, the, the, that challenge of trying to replicate what you are in the classroom online, it's still an imperfect science, I think. It's hard. Um, and I think a lot of people have, have worked really hard, though, to kind of figure out how to still have a virtual classroom where there is a culture present and there's uh, collaboration. And, and I mean, we've talked about that on some prior episodes, too. And um, Daniel Kospis, I know, has done a lot to, to make kind of a virtual space with a harder subject, mathematics. Mm-hmm. We'll have to have him on to, to talk more about that as well. Yeah. Um, be great. Pick his brain. Sure. Yeah. I continually struggle because this isn't going to go away. And it's the, you know, it's the, it's the new way of things that snow days are, are no longer just you're out. And as we see more severe 
quick spurts of winter in between our 60 degree days mm-hmm. we're we're going to probably see more and more of There's this in January of, and February. All kinds of challenges that we're that we are having deal with in our profession. I don't think this podcast has ever had a conversation about chat GPT and AI flavored stuff coming down the pipeline. Would you like to share your Jared Durden thoughts on it? Just editorialize oh on what you think it might, how um, it might complicate our field. It very much does complicate it. I think there are some really good arguments and discussions going on right now about how with any new technology, um, once you get past that initial shock of it not being what you grew up with, there is ways to look at it as a useful tool. And I think some teachers have already had some really good discussions about how it can be used in the classroom as a tool. Um, and, And I think there's also some very valid criticisms about how it could possibly be a way to avoid critical thinking and the actual um, things that happen in a good education. Um, And so, you know, are there always bad actors when it, you know, that would, that might be able to take advantage of those kind of systems? Yeah. Is it problematic that probably the way it's going to go then is, is, is um, having access to it will create kind of a have and have not based on those that can afford it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole nother issue. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to hold off on <laughs> going to, that's a pretty big, and that should be an episode I think to talk about. Yeah, maybe. Um, and there's some people I know that have been working on it. Sure. Um, actually an adjunct, uh, that we could bring on. Well, we don't have enough adjuncts. Yeah. I adjuncts know. make up gotta be like at least two thirds of our faculty body. And yeah, we gotta, we gotta boost those numbers. I know, some. I know of an adjunct instructor that's been working really hard at, at, at looking at this and, and figuring out how to adapt and use it in the classroom. Outstanding. We'll have to bring bring her on. So today, though, um, we have with us from the grants uh, grants and strategic planning analyst uh, Abby Ray Hicks. Welcome to Oh, that's cool. Hey, yay! How are hey. you today? I'm doing good. How are you? I do have to point out. So you this episode won't go out for uh, uh, two weeks from this Monday, and, and this Monday is the Monday after the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And you are currently wearing a Dallas Cowboys sweatshirt. Unacceptable. I, am, I know. I'm originally from Dallas, Texas, so I'm pretty much an any Dallas team. That's probably who I'm going to root for. I know they're not in the Super Bowl, but I don't own any Kansas City Chiefs gear, and I probably won't buy any. But <laughs> that's um, bold of you. Yeah, but um, I am a I am I'm a Dallas girl through and through, and I. Yeah, so today I was like, I'm wearing my Cowboys gear. Before we went to air, just you and I were talking, and you had mentioned that you had spent your entire life more or less in Dallas prior to going to Evangel. Is that about right? Yeah, yeah. So I was born and raised in Dallas, and people always ask, what part of Dallas? And I'm like, Dallas, the city of Dallas. Yeah. Um, I've been to Dallas exactly once, because aside from flying through there, I had a friend get married in Flower Mound, like what is that what oh, it's called? Far, yeah. And it's kind of a little one of the foofy areas mm-hmm. outside of Dallas, but I haven't been in like Dallas, Dallas. Yeah, I was born and raised in Dallas. I you used to be able to like we could ride our bike into downtown. <laughs> now you can't cuz there's freeways and gentrification and a lot of other things, but um, so yeah, so I'm from Dallas, Texas, and I know the Dallas Cowboys are no longer in Dallas. They're like in Irving, but they're still the Dallas Cowboys. It's so. about to happen to the Chiefs too. There's been a lot of stewing about maybe building a stadium 
either in downtown Kansas City, which I don't think is going to be an option. I think they might consider building in Kansas City, Kansas. So it's still Kansas City, but it's just not the right Kansas City. Yeah. You know, we get real. I, I lived in Kansas City, Missouri for a while. We get real territorial about yeah. which Kansas City is the right Kansas City. That's how we are in Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So how did you end up landing at Evangel from Dallas? Um, so I I don't know. Um, I know that's a very, it, my path wasn't very linear. Um, I was in Dallas. I actually went to community college in Dallas. Um, and then I was part of kind of like a production group and we would travel doing production for like conferences and things like that. And then I went back to school and finished my associates and I wanted to do something in geology or science. And um, I was actually, I lived overseas for a couple years before I moved here. And um, while I was there, I met some people that were in the environmental science program at Evangel and um, they were about to be done actually. And I don't know, I just, I thought, oh, okay, I'll check it out. And I moved here and I didn't know anyone and I had never visited Springfield before prior to moving here. I didn't even know Missouri existed actually. Tell us about it. What were your first impressions? <laughs> um, it was very different. Uh, it was, I've really grown to love Springfield I didn't always feel that way when I first moved here. I think I kind of, I was really homesick and it was kind of weird because I also hadn't lived at home for, I, so I had moved out, I lived in San Antonio, then um, I lived in Turkey and then I moved here. And so I just felt very homesick and I was like, I haven't lived at home in a long time. Why do I feel this way? Um, but it was just very different, everything from like, um, so I grew up, I'm Mexican-American. I grew up in a very, you know, bilingual Mexican house. Um, my family were all Mexican. Like, we all lived on the same street. Um, and just things, you know, when I first moved here, I think the the BIPOC population was like 4%. Yeah. This was actually, I moved here seven years ago. Yeah. It's going to be eight. Um. And uh, and so it was, that was very different for me coming from a majority, you know, brown and black community. It was very different for me to move here to a majority not brown. And black for, for listeners that aren't familiar, would you mind um, stating what that acronym means? Uh, BIPOC means black, indigenous, or person of color. So, okay, so what what were you doing at Evangel? How did you go from Evangel to? Uh, to uh, Granson Strategic Planning Analyst at OTZ? So my undergrad is actually in environmental science and biology and agronomy. It's kind of a good, a big mixture. Um, so I, so after that, I kind of worked here, uh, or not at OTC. Um, I worked in different, at different nonprofits in town. And then I worked at Eskenosi Chocolate. And then I worked and then I came here, and I was actually at student services first. What did you do at Askinosi? I was their storefront manager. Um, yeah, you didn't have your, you weren't making the chocolate in the back. No, I wasn't, but Damn I it. was nearby. And let me tell you. <laughs> um, and so uh, I actually started here at student services. I was working um, uh, 
as a student services representative. And so then um, the position for grants and strategic planning opened up and I applied for it. And that's kind of how I ended up there. So what won you over and about Springfield? What, what, what is it now that you're, you're, you, you, you're, what would you tell someone that wasn't from here that you, you enjoy? Or, or I think kind there's of- a lot of growth. I think, I, I think growth is really exciting. Um, and I think there's a lot of growth and a lot of potential for you to pretty much make Springfield what you want to make it. Um, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like, I guess, um, you kind of get what you, you kind of get what you put into it. And, um, I think Springfield is also a place where you can build community. I feel like um, a lot of people here are very into like the community aspect of Springfield. Um, and it's not a huge city, but it's also not like a small town. So I think that's there's a lot of just a lot of potential. Everything is like 10 minutes away. Whereas in Dallas, you are probably going to drive 25 to 30 minutes just to get anywhere. I, this a little off topic, but not quite. But in terms of like just being able to create the kind of community you mm-hmm. want. I was thinking about that last night because uh, my wife and I went to the to a Cuban restaurant on Commercial Street and just happened to stumble upon there was this group of guys that had met there. And, and we could tell they were all there together. Um, and they had like props with them and stuff. And then we saw someone put on a robe and then they kind of disappeared in the back room and someone came out covered in wine and then they had this banner and it turns out, and, and I hope they don't come after me for like giving away secrets, but they, they called themselves the muscle men group, but it's muscle spelled like the food because I guess they're a social group that gets together and eats muscles. Why would they be covered in? I there, we are not privy. <laughs> To that part. What of restaurant the, was this? Uh, uh, La Havana Vieja. Yep. That's a, it's a great restaurant. Oh, that yeah. oxtail. Their food is really good. It's fantastic. Oh my gosh, that is ridiculous. I'm actually kind of jealous. That sounds amazing. No, but I really appreciate that. Like that idea, and I've, I I enjoy that about Springfield too. And living in larger cities, you don't always feel that kind of advocacy. But there's space here, and there's people here that. Mm-hmm when you want to start something, they kind of get behind you and there's resources for it. And it's just a little more accessible. Yeah. It's like starting think, in the mail room. You know? I think yeah. about that. I think about that. Sometimes you ever drive by national sunshine, that intersection, you'll have people in that park, um, dressed up in medieval. Okay. Stuff. I have a, so I, I do never... giggle a little bit when I see that, but a part of me is like, well, they're out in the sun or having fun with friends and kind of, never, what am I doing? I had no idea what LARPing was. Uh-huh. I've never seen it. And when you were allowed to hammock in Springfield Parks, I used to hammock at Phelps Grove, which is where they were, or is it called Phelps Grove? Yeah, yeah the park that's right there. By the art museum. Yeah, yeah. by uh-huh. the art museum. And I remember one time I like set my hammock out, and this is probably not the safest thing, but I like fell asleep. And I woke up and there were LARPers all around me. And I imagine like, I don't know if you guys ever saw, there was a movie with like, uh, What's his name? His name is Martin. I think I forgot what the name of the movie was. Oh, oh, Role Models. Uh, no, no. I forget. I think is the name. I can't remember the name of the movie, but it was about knights, and he was like a knight traveling back into. Oh, the Martin black. from the series. From Martin. the series, Martin. The, the black knight. Yeah. Yes. yeah, it was the that. Black yeah. Knight. Okay. Yeah. So, and I and I was like, this is how this, this was happening to me. 
<laughs> you <laughs> fell asleep in the time. And you went back in time. I fell asleep and woke up and all these LARPers are... <laughs> so wait a what year is it? As you yeah. wipe your eyes. Yeah. So there's an ordinance against hammocks now? Yeah. Huh. You're not, well, you're not supposed to hammock because it... A lot of people don't do it correctly, and it kind of harms the trees. Oddly enough, people do. If you go to the, well, Phelps Grove is a bad example, but if you go to Sequoia, you have to go hiking. And if you go on those walking trails up in the woods, there will be some Some hammocks there. But I I was unaware that there was, I I also was unaware that there was like anti-hammock ordinances coming down. Yeah. You seem to be somewhat of a professional, though. You're using it as a verb. Hammocking. You yeah. Hammocking. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I actually really enjoy hammocking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about, um, uh, we've had Callie Holden on before, um, but we didn't really get into, and for those of, of us, and, and myself included, I, I've had some experience with your office, but kind of walk us through what's a day to day like um, at Grants and Strategic Planning? Like, what, what is your role? What, what, what do you do? You know, every day is kind of different. Um, so, we, so, my role specifically is a lot of um, research and grants writing and kind of supporting um, any like special projects in the college um, and making sure that we have kind of federal, private, or state funds to um, coming in to support programs. Um, And so every day is different. You know, some days it's like back-to-back-to-back meetings, and some days it's I'm just in my office all day writing or reading in some rabbit hole about, you know, just something random that we're writing a grant on or, you know, different things like that. And... um we we normally like to ask um, our, our guests uh, a question to kind of get to know them better. Um, tell us someone that you look up to, a role model, someone that's inspired you um, that you like to share with our listeners. Yeah, so um, I have a lot of role models. Um, but I think I'm Who's just Who's on gonna, your role model, Mount Rushmore? On my ro- role model, Mount Rushmore. That's right. Role model um, Rushmore, we'll call it. Yeah, okay. Um, I'd probably have to say, honestly, this is going to sound very basic, but my parents, they're like one role model, I think. Mm -hmm. They've kind of just always been, especially my dad, they've always been very supportive, very just, they've worked really hard to have what they have. They've, you know... And they're just kind of, it's always funny to me because sometimes I'll call my parents and I hear my friends in the background. I don't live in Dallas anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, what is so-and-so doing there? And they're like, oh, they just came by to talk or hang out. And I'm like, I'm not there. Um, but they've just always been, you know, they're, I feel like they're, my parents are some of the most hardworking people that I know. Um, you know, even like my mom, my mom had a lot of language barriers when she first came to the U.S. and that didn't stop her. So, um, yeah, so I, I would say my parents are probably some of the my biggest role models that I look up to. That's a good. We, we have had lots of people say that, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
And so uh, another thing I'd be interested in, in to know then is, is, is moving here, getting kind of used to it, being swayed from, I'm not sure about this place to, okay, I can see myself here. Uh, what's your favorite thing to do in Springfield? And you've already said hammocking. But yeah. yeah. What's besides that? Um, so my favorite thing to do is I love going to the libraries. Yeah? Yeah, I love our Green County libraries. That, have green, that library is super underrated. Yes, yeah. they have so many resources. Mm-hmm. Like, they have, like, my family came into town and we were able to get, they you can, like, rent passes to go to the Discovery Center. Um, yeah, really? you get six, yeah. Um, they also, you can sign up for, uh, you like sign up and tell them the most recent books you've read and they, um, give you recommendations, they give you recommendations and their recommendations are usually really good. Um, yeah. So I don't know. They have, I, I really enjoy green County libraries. My, I typically go to like the Brentwood library. That's mm-hmm. kind of my, my local library, but, um, but even like the library center, library station, um, they have like a seed garden or a seed library where if you want to plant, you can go and get seeds for your garden. You can also like trade. They also have like, um, they also have, uh, they bring in a lot of people for like, um, pe- like author authors, um, Mm-hmm. that you can go and listen to. They have a lot of book clubs. I don't know. They have a lot of stuff. I really enjoy going to Green County Library. You'll enjoy it. Even those, the the worth of a library catapults upwards. Yeah. If that's the verb I want to use for if you have kids. Yeah. And that's kind of the... Uh, the blessing of having kids is that they do force you to do things that you would not normally do. Uh, but turns out, occasionally, some of these things are pretty awesome. We have the library station on North... Kansas, I want to say, and the, uh, the even the Square Library, the Park Central Square Library. Yeah. I mean, they, they have so many fun things for kids to do, not just books, but as you yeah. said, they have, they have toys they can play with, yeah. educational toys. Um, they have Legos they can build with. And, and of course, for adults, they have all these awesome resources that, again, you literally would not be aware of unless you step foot in the library. Yep. When I was in Springfield after high school, when I was at OTC, I used the OTC library. When I was at... Um, jury I used the jury library and then I you know I left uh for you know a good four years and so when I when I came back in, in around 2013 I'm I, I went to the Green County Library I hadn't been there since high school and I was like oh I don't know where my card is I just need to get a new one and they were like you have fees you're not able to it turns out in 1995 or 96 I had checked out and not returned something called the disco handbook oh which uh, I think I remember was just kind of this like props to the record keepers. They still had that. (laughs) My goodness. They're also very kind. Our, my dog has eaten one of their books. Mm. Oh no. They were, they were very nice about it. We, we, uh, go to the one, uh, up North on, on Kansas and they've got a great little, um, uh, place to get smoothies and stuff and coffee and stuff. Oh yeah. I really like, Not even Panera, like oh, in, in the oh, the, the okay. library itself, and we always get buttons there at the little bookstore. But yeah. big library fans here, big library fans. That's I never knew that about being able to check out passes. Are there any other places you're familiar with besides Discovery Center? Or? Um, I think Discovery Center is like their biggest their partnership. Thing. Yeah, yeah, their biggest partnership. Um, but yeah, so they have a lot of they have a lot of good resources. 
And they also kind of serve as a, they don't have to, but they do serve kind of as a social service. I mean, they don't, but they have like resources for like unhoused people, for, you know, like um, for teenagers, just all sorts of stuff that's just like, you could just go in and pick it up. Well, maybe that's who we should get sponsorship from. Yeah. We talked We're always about hunting, Abby. We've, we haven't gotten our first sponsorship <laughs> yet, but we are always on the hunt. I like to think we're just picky. But uh, we were talking about Big Mamas last time. That might get us in trouble, though, because we may be contractually as a college have responsibility oh, to Starbucks. To Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So apologies. We speak only for, uh, we are mouthpieces only for ourselves. That's right. That's right. Uh, so you, 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 this is something that, that we had been doing. We talked about retiring, but you've made a special request because of some work that you've done. Uh, and so, uh, Gumby versus Mr. Ed battle to the death. Who wins Abby? Gumby. Oh, I like that answer already. (laughs) You're already confidently. And why? Well, one, I think Gumby is very agile. He, I think he would definitely just be able to trip Mr. Ed over and Mr. Ed would fall on his face and not make it. You know what? I'm not even entirely sure now that you mention it. I'm not even entirely sure how athletic Mr. Ed is. He's a horse. What yeah. on the show do you see him do? That's so impressive. I don't know. Yeah, I've seen and I've seen Gumby do I've some never seen him run. just impressive things. I mean, you know, he can he can be stomped on and he still lives. That doesn't do anything. That doesn't to him. do yeah. anything to him. And you know, that's a horse's main attack. That's right. Is the is the kick yeah. stomping? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'd have to say Gumby. Yeah, I you know I I hadn't I had just taken Mr. Ed's uh, physicality as a horse for granted, but no, it, he's never shown horse abilities. Even he just pretty much stands and talks. I, yeah. I think he's very trippable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we've <laughs> I'm glad you brought that to my attention. <laughs> what would have happened if she wasn't pro Gumby? She wasn't pro Gumby. Yeah. I mean, my allegiances flip on a dime. You know that. I, I will. I will change immediately into attacking position. <laughs> Just because you won me over in like minute one does not mean by minute two I won't be at your throat. I'm very shameless. <laughs> Which is what makes you such a great podcast. <laughs> That's right. So. Um, Besides just getting to know you and, and, and wanting to, to talk to you a little bit, um, we were really interested in um, a new student group that, that you started. Yeah, me and Kalia, um, we started a new student group called A Girl Like Me. Um, so A Girl Like Me is actually, it's part of a bigger group. It's a statewide um, organization and um, we have an OTC chapter here um, and a girl like me is basically we wanted to create a space for just all students but specifically multicultural students to have where they can build relationships they can network they can meet people who have kind of been on the same path as they have or um, people who are like you know people who who have who can speak to their life experiences um, and um, make, you know, build relationships and connections there. And so we meet once a month right now. Uh, we meet the first Wednesday of the month. And actually, this next Wednesday, we're going to have Monica Horton with us. She's one hey. of our council members. And yeah, so, a Springfield City Council member. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're really excited that she's going to be joining us, sharing a little bit about 
her story and kind of you know how she got to where she where she is and also uh, sharing opportunities for art for students to connect um, with you know the city of Springfield or just you know giving students uh, volunteer opportunities giving them opportunities to kind of give back to their community is it have you how long when did this organization what when did OTC's chapter start, um, and uh, uh, how long have you guys been meeting? So we have been meeting. We so we have not been meeting for very long. We have been meeting since November, I believe, or December, November, or December. Um, so we and then we met this past week again, and so we haven't been meeting for very long. So we're really excited to start working, and you know doing more things on campus and, um, you know, getting people together. How'd you cross paths with the organization? Uh, so our friend Daniel, um, I had told him that Daniel Ogunyemi. Oh yeah, sure. Um, so I had told him that I wanted to, initially I was thinking of starting like a club for Hispanic students. Um, uh, so when I was in high school and in college, I was part of a club called LULAC. League of United Latin American Citizens. Yes, very large uh, interest group for yeah. Latin Americans. Yeah. And so I kind of, I wasn't going to start a LULAC, but I thought, I found a lot of value in that. I was able to, um, I was able to receive like mentorship. I was able to kind of have, you know, people who could help me, uh, you know, people as references. I was able to like network, you know, they have a really fun conference every year that I was able to attend and just, you know, see that there's something larger than the city of Dallas. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had told him that and then I started thinking just, you know, I grew up in a predominantly like black and brown community. And um, I told Daniel, I think I'm kind of shifting focus. I think I want it to be like more just multicultural, and not just for, you know, for Hispanic students, but kind of like for girls who who are who want those relationships or who are seeking mentorship or things like that. Yeah. And that's that's incredibly valuable for um, your mentors to not just have your belief system. Mm-hmm. Maybe refine that. It's really important for them to have your belief system. And oftentimes that belief system is going to be borne out. If you have a similar belief system, it's going to be borne out by somebody who looks like you and somebody who has lived a version of the experience you lived. Mm -hmm. And I am so lucky as a faculty co-sponsor to my own student club and I love working with them. But to be honest, some of them, I mean, I love working with them on a regular basis, but my life experience is just fundamentally different from theirs. And I can empathize as much as I possibly can, but there's no way for me to have walked in their shoes. And so the organizations like that, the ones specifically that you're talking about and some of the stuff that uh, Daniel does as well, incredibly important because some of these folks who do come to OTC, a lot of these guys are like first generation college Mm -hmm. students and they don't really have a built in network. Like my mom was a department chair here for 20 years. I've grown up around academics, right? But many of these people, they lack that mm-hmm. higher education and, you know, fundamentally part of Springfield commerce relationships mm-hmm. yeah. that your organization can be a bridge to. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we wanted to create that. I'm also, I'm 
first generation like college student um and i you know growing up i was very fortunate not i don't feel like this is as common but growing up i kind of always had like those that mentorship i kind of always um the high school that i went to was actually created out of uh, brown versus board of education no kidding. Yeah, and it was it was built in 1995. Brown versus Board was 1958. But anyways, um, <laughs> that's yeah. Yeah, um, and so we had they. It was a very like diverse school, and I always had like I always saw teachers that looked like me, or you know, um, and I thought that was just very important for like just that representation was always really important and it really empowered us to kind of know like, oh, we can do stuff like that too, you know. Um, I interned with like uh, Domingo Garcia, he's like a, now he's like a local politician in Dallas, but at the time he was an attorney and he was like a Mexican attorney, Mexican-American, first generation. Um, And that was really impactful for me to see, to work with him and to like, Um, get to see just oh man he like his parents are immigrants my parents are immigrants and he was able to like navigate through the whole system you know and so yeah it's always so interesting to me the way that I'm completely I wouldn't say I'm I wouldn't say I'm blind to race but when I see people succeed um, I just they're Racial identity never really jumps out to me that much mm-hmm. because, again, I'm Caucasian. I'm part of a gigantic Caucasian majority here in this area. But just to bring up, if I could just make a pop culture reference to exactly what we were talking about, Aquafina hosted SNL like three yeah. or four years ago, and she gave a shout out to Lucy Liu, who was the she had seen growing up. Lucy Liu was this a, a very famous Asian American actress, and she hosted SNL. I'm a big SNL fan, oh, me too. and I remember Lucy Liu's episode. It was fine. I don't know. Yeah. It was okay, I guess, but that's because I was just watching it at, in my skin. But Aquafina, as a as a kid coming yeah. up, was like, "That is some. This speaks to me. This is amazing. Somebody is doing all the normal SNL things, but she happens to look like me." Yeah. And I just think there is a, an incredible value to that. And to be honest with you, as a guy who's been floating around in the racial and gender and um, sexual orientation and all uh, every like religious every majority that exists i'm a member of it seems and i've just been completely blind coming up to a bunch of that experience that some of my peers of different races and genders and all that were having yeah 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 i think it's i mean i definitely i think it's important i think it's valuable um but i also think you know i think it's i just think it's important to have you know diverse voices in your life that are supporting you whether they look like you or whether they I mean you know I've and I like I said I've been fortunate to have a good mixture of people in my life that some look like me some don't you know but I've been able to receive valuable I've had valuable experiences with them so yeah so what's your vision for the club what would you like to see happen what plans do you have for this year um so we would like to do a one of our big things that we that we've talked about with um a couple of the girls um we would like to do kind of like a multicultural event where 
we have like food and it's like an on-campus event and um, where some, you know, some of our students want to share about their culture and they want to share their food and they want to share, you know, a little bit about um, what their life looks like or what, uh, you know. Um, and so that's kind of one of our big projects. Um, and um, I would also like to see just our, I would like to see our girls get connected, you know, and to have like that sense of belonging here at OTC and to feel like, yeah, I went to OTC and it was great. Like, you know, um, and not, and I mean, I'm not saying that students say this, but you know, I want them to leave with like just a very positive experience at OTC where they felt understood, they felt seen, um, they felt like they were a part of the community and not just like a student passing by. And so that's kind of like the vision that that I have. For the record, they do say that out loud um, because as a commuter college, it is kind of hard to just, what would the word be, um, to just genuinely build up a yeah. little bit of a community. But through student groups, yeah. they do provide that. And I've talked about this a time or two, but to hear students in, and I'm speaking from my club's bias because that's the, the soup I swim in, but yeah. they will say, this is the closest to like a traditional college experience yeah. I've had. Yeah. And I'm just so glad to give that to them. Yeah. And it's really important that you are able to provide them a platform to get that as well. Yeah. And I hope they get it. Do you guys want to do a karaoke night? Yeah. We're already doing Let's one. Do so. We're already doing one in March. We're already doing one in March, so we'll rope you in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And STEM Club as well over here for this joker, but yeah. I I want to, for anybody listening that, uh, you know, hasn't had the opportunity yet, and and if you'll both back me up here, starting a student group sounds like, oh, it's another thing I have to do. It has reinvigorated me. Just that... Uh, first, on on just my selfish side of it, on, on the faculty side of it, getting to just work with students where they they run the show. Yeah. You really, once they get going and you give them a little structure and you help them with some of the basic components, they're doing the work. Yeah. You just get to enjoy watching these young, brilliant minds be excited. Yeah. So if you're feeling burnt out and, and in the classroom, it feels like, you know, uh, they don't. Uh, they're not doing the work, or they don't want to do this, or uh, for all those feelings that you have sometimes that frustrate you, get them in the room together and let them have fun, and it will just blow your mind what they're capable of. Yeah. And I think that informal part of education is really, really, really important. Like you said, it's part of the college experience. On the other side of it. So I didn't have the same experience, Andrew. We've talked about this where I was first-generation student. I I didn't really have a support structure. I was just winging it. And if it wasn't for really good mentors and if it wasn't for a student group that I had started, I I would have missed out and probably not have done as not have really found myself or my strengths as, as I was able to, because being part of that student group, I started having to go to offices I would have never gone before, learning how to really communicate with people, learning how to uh, lead people, learning how to organize, doing all these extra things you do in a club that also makes you feel like you're a part of that community, right? Yeah. I still really feel like I'm comfortable walking into jury at any point in time or day right now, right? As an alumni even, just like I am at OTC because I just felt so integrated and, and, and part of it. And I, I am not surprised, but I did not know that you started a student group. What was the student group you started? Uh, I started a chapter of the Society of Physics Students. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And I, oh man. And now seeing you know my students 
take off and, yeah. and them wanting to, to do things. You know, I, we had a kind of an executive council meeting and I told them my job is I think what my mentor's job was is that I want to make sure that you know that creation and your and and making things happen is just a matter of you having an idea and following through. And so I'm here for the resources. I want you guys to think big and then I just want to help make sure to I can show you that you have every bit of advocacy and capability that you need. Okay. Right. And, uh, so far that's been watching diehard movies. And <laughs> hey. <laughs> you're like, you're Community like, uh, but they're after doing some, my own, after my own heart, you must be thinking you're like, they're, getting right after some, my own heart. they're getting ready to do some really big things. Yeah. And community happens in ev- so many ways. And we were talking about this with, we were interviewing, and I know we cut back almost every interview to our Jennifer Dunkel interview, which is maybe the best one we've done, um, because she is one of the best people on campus. But we ta- we have talked about this before, about how doing non-academic things with, like, watching Die Hard is yeah. not an academic experience, but it enhances every part of the academic experience. It makes it easier to get education. You're more likely to uh, participate in the stuff the school offers you. You're more likely to finish classes. You're more likely to get your degree. Yeah. Because you're doing silly things like hanging out with this guy. Mm-hmm. So anyways, so that that's, that's why I, I treasure the fact that, I mean, let's not take for granted the fact that there are there is an Abby on campus and that there are young students who appreciate just the platform she gives them. Um, yeah, mentor is great, but you know what is also great? Just having a little safe space where I can be comfortable in my own person. Can we announce it now? Do you have dates already for the karaoke? We have settled on March. Well, I, I, (laughs) I don't, I don't want to announce it yet, Okay, but maybe I'll announce it on uh, like the, Oh, that's cool. Twitter page. Are you going to do PMC and all that stuff? I I don't know yet because (sighs) it turns out our students have, once we came up with the idea of karaoke, like three students were like, oh, I've got equipment, I've got speakers, I've got microphones. And so now we oh, have everything okay. we need. We just need a room and that'll be easy enough to sort out. Okay. okay. The question is like, there's a few particulars, so I'm not ready to announce yet. I really do like this idea of, of once, you know, you know, giving with, part of the function of these students groups is for them to host mm-hmm. other events yeah. to involve even more students. Yeah. And so the, the, this idea of a multicultural event, I think would be yeah, I great for not only your students, but every other. Every student other yeah. And I think students, I think students like that. That's another thing about Springfield. Springfield is small and it's not as diverse as, you know, larger cities, but I feel like where when there are like cultural or you know like the diversity is just um it's you see it more because it's not as common and people like learning about other cultures they like trying different foods they like um you know i i always i think it's funny that i lived in dallas for i lived in dallas my whole life and dallas is as actually has like uh one of the highest populations of like Indians in Dallas and there's a lot of Indian restaurants but I didn't try Indian food for the first time until I moved to Springfield and it's one it's my top Which restaurant it's I love Zyka that's the one downtown yeah that's the one downtown yeah Zyka is probably one of my favorite place places to eat um and it's one of my favorite type of foods so yeah well Andrew um 
we've learned a lot today. Oh man, you can say that again. I uh, I'm really excited that, that we've got more clubs on campus, and I can't uh, enough, you know, try to promote this idea of starting more and more. I think there's there's plenty of students, and there's plenty of room, and there's plenty of help and resources. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, so uh, who. I was about to close off, but I actually have, I have some more questions, but, um, how did you get the club going? So you, you, you mentioned Daniel. Yeah. So Daniel connected us with Ambie Lewis. She's the founder of a girl like me, um, network. Um, and so a girl like me, we have an OTC chapter, but they also have other opportunities for students to connect. Like they do a lot of like, like they have a braid-a-thon where they like braid hair. They have, uh, I believe it's the last Sunday of the month, they do like table talks and they just have a topic and they, you know, eating food is the best way to, 100%. to have community. And they just like, we they eat food and talk about different things and all of this is actually held at, they're housed in the Drew Lewis Foundation offices. Um, and so... We kind of just started talking to her about what an OTC chapter would look like, and that's kind of how we we started off. So that's you know you don't necessarily have to go from the ground up if you're in a spe- specific department or field. Looking at national organizations, they often have a lot of resources mm-hmm. that they focus on starting chapters yeah. in community colleges and local areas. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, We've learned a lot about not only a girl like me and and their national organization, what you're doing on campus, um, what we have to look forward to. Um, we've talked about uh, uh, we've learned a lot about you, Abby, about uh, uh, coming from Dallas, Texas, your experience um, not only in college but in Springfield. Uh, uh, I I I am now going to start using the word hammocking. <laughs> yeah. uh, I didn't know that, Andrew. I didn't know that either. Now you do. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, ma'am.